Thank you so much for joining us on the LifePoint Church podcast. If you would like to hear more from LifePoint, we encourage you to download the LifePoint app where you can watch sermons, take notes, and follow along in the Bible. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, we would love to hear about it at lifepoint.org forward slash story. Again, thanks for joining us. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. We're in the middle of a series called When God Speaks, and Becca Rowe kicked it off in an amazing way. Week number one, she said that God is still speaking, and then last week, Pastor Daniel, wow, oh wow, he talked about the four conditions of our heart and how God wants us to have a willing heart, and it's when we have a willing heart that we open ourselves up to receive and hear the voice of God, and so I hope you took that message last week, and, and you, just, you just kind of reflected on what it means for you to have a willing heart, so what an incredible message. If you missed either one of those weeks, I encourage you to go check them out. Pastor Daniel, I just want to just pause and say thank you so much for not only the word that you gave us last week, but the word you give us every single week, and just the consistency that you pour into this house of just delivering really God's voice for our church. And so thank you so much for all the hard work and dedication that you put in. And thank you so much for what you poured into me personally and my wife. And it's such an honor to be on this stage. And I just want to say, and I think everybody would agree with me. We love you. Come on, would you let your pastor know how much you love him? We love you. And so today, in week number one, we said that God still speaks, and in week number two, we said that you have to have the right heart to hear the voice of God, and so today, I want to talk about how God speaks. If God does speak, how does he speak? How does he speak to you, and how does he speak to me, and how does he speak to your neighbor today? If God is speaking, then how, (laughs) and where, and when? And how often does he speak to us? And then next week, we're going to end this series in an incredible way, and you will not want to miss it. Pastor Daniel's going to deliver a message that, that I know that is going to bless you so much. And, and it's going to be around the idea, if God does speak, well, how do you know it was God? So he's going to give us four questions. If God is speaking, how do you know it was God and not the pizza that you ate? And so you're going to want to come back next week because God does speak, and I believe you're going to hear his voice this week, and then you need to come back next week to know whether it was him or not, all right? And so you got to come back next week. But uh, here's where we're going to go today. We're talking about how God does speak, and God speaks a lot of different ways. God speaks through creation, right? You get this. I mean, have you ever been driving down the road and you see that majestic sunset? You know what I'm talking about. I mean that sunset that you've had, a, you've had a horrible day and you see that sunset and it almost causes you to wreck your eyes or I mean wreck your car because your eyes are, wreck your eyes, wreck your car because your eyes are just so fixed on it. You're just like, wow, God, in that moment, right? And it's almost as if God gave you that, that you had a bad day and God was like, boom, here's a majestic sunset just to say, I love you. And God speaks to you that way in creation or maybe God speaks to you through other people. Right? God often speaks through other people. Maybe somebody's came and given you a word before and they've said something like, hey, I feel like God wanted me to say this to you or I feel like God wanted me to share this with you. And so God speaks through other people. Maybe you've been one of the ones that God's given you a word for somebody else and you were super nervous, but you're like, I gotta do it anyways. You know, God speaks through other people. God speaks through prayer. That's really what prayer is. Prayer is a dialogue. It's not a one-way street, but it's a relational thing where God wants to commune with you and speak with you. And so as you pray to him, he wants to talk back to you. And so God speaks through prayer. He speaks through, 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 through his word, right? When you open this book, the Bible says that, that the word of God is living and active. So it's alive and God wants to speak to you through that. He speaks to you through music, right? Many of you guys, you, 
You, you experience worship sets like we just experienced a second ago, and maybe you walk out and you say something like that song we sung, you know, Reckless Love. It really what? It really spoke to me. The song really spoke to me. God speaks through music. I also believe that one of the most clearest and loudest ways that God speaks, and it's the way that I want to kind of camp out on today, is through worship. And you might be thinking, well, what's the difference between worship and music? Well, there's a big difference. And worship is not the 20 minutes of what we just did. That is part of worship, but it's so much more. There's so much more to worship than just lifting our hands and singing. And for some of you, that's good news because you're a horrible singer. And so you're thinking, if worship is singing, then I must not be a worshiper. And so worship is so much more than that. And so here's what I believe worship is. And I want to give you a working definition that's going to kind of set up today. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. If not, just... Write it down, okay? So write this down. Worship is this. Worship, in a very broad sense, is simply an encounter with God. Worship is an encounter with God. It's any time that you see God for who he is. You see him for who he is, and then you respond accordingly, with or without music. That is worship. And so, yes, worship can happen in the car. And yes, worship can happen around, you know, a dinner table with family. Yes, worship can happen in a small group. Yes, worship can happen on your job. Yes, worship can happen as you stare into the eyes of your, you know, your newborn baby. Worship can happen anytime, anywhere. Because worship is simply just an encounter of God where you see God for who he is. And then you respond accordingly. And it's through worship that I believe that we get into the presence of God. And so as you encounter God, you encounter his presence or you step into his presence. And as you step into his presence, here's what I want you to know. It's in his presence that God speaks the loudest and the clearest. And so if God speaks the loudest and clearest in his presence, then how do you get into his presence? Here's what I believe God spoke to me. The other night as I was up at the church, I was driving home and I was just asking God to reveal to me, really help me, help me understand what worship is. Help me understand how to communicate this to your church. And I felt like God just told me this, that worship, because God does speak, and so yes, I feel like he spoke this to me, right? That worship is just the vehicle to encounter my presence. That worship is the vehicle in which you can encounter my presence, and in my presence, I love to speak. And so... It's in the presence of God that God speaks the loudest and the clearest. And so if that is true and worship is how we encounter God and we get into that presence, then how do we live a life of worship? If worship doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings and worship isn't just about singing songs, then what is worship and how can we experience that on a daily basis? And how can worship become a lifestyle? See, that's what I believe that God wants for you is worship to become a lifestyle for you. You know, I heard a story the other day when it comes to, to speaking with God about a guy that was speaking with God. He was actually walking down the street and he was having this conversation with God and he had so many questions for God. And he asked God, he said, hey God, can I ask you a question? What is a million years like to you? And he heard God speak to him, well, it's, it's just like a minute, a moment, just a minute. And he said, wow, that's amazing. Can I ask you another question? What is a million dollars like to you? And he said, well, it's, it's like a penny. And he said, well, God, can I have a penny? And God said, well, give me a minute. <laughs> Come on, you know that's funny. Some of you didn't laugh. I worked on that joke all week. It's the only humor I have in my sermon today. 
But God is speaking, and God wants to speak to you, and I believe it's in worship that he will speak the loudest and the clearest. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you three, three places, I believe, that God wants to take you in worship. Really three places that God is inviting us to go to in worship. And I believe that as you, as you experience these three places, you'll experience his presence, and in his presence, God will speak loud and clear. Some of you need to hear the voice of God, don't you? You've been praying about some things in your life. You've been, you've been praying about a career move, or you've been praying whether or not you should open that business or start that company. You've been praying, student, where you should go to school, and it's still kind of up in the air. You've been praying, how do you discipline my child that seems to just be running crazy? God, help me. Give me some wisdom. You've been praying about should I or should I not date him or date her or whatever. You've been praying about that, and you need the voice of God. And God does speak. And God wants to speak. And so I see God speaking all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, all throughout scriptures, when it comes to people encountering his presence. And there's nobody, um, I believe, that hears the voice of God louder and clearer than the life of Moses. Moses, really, um, you can read the kind of the first five books of your Bible and see the incredible writings of Moses and experience his life in a powerful way. But I want to camp out in the book of Exodus today. And here's what I want to do. I want to kind of have a conversation um, through the life of Moses. And in each, in each story that I want to show you today, I want to show you three different stories, okay? And in each of these stories, I want to pull a place of worship that I feel like Moses stepped into, that God is inviting us to step into today. And in those places of worship, in every encounter, God, God, God spoke to him. He encountered God's presence, and then he spoke to him in a very clear way. And I love this because each place, I believe, is, is really almost a progression of, of, of encountering God, maybe for the first time. It's, it was the first recorded encounter of God that we're going to start off with, all the way to this place where, where Moses has this incredible intimacy with God. And so as I give you these three places today, I want you to think about the progression they lead to and maybe where you're at on this journey and what God is calling you into today, because I don't think God will call you into all three places today, but just to, to really take a step into one of them. And so, so I'm going to set these places up, and not that they're in like, you know, sequential order and you have to start with one, but I believe one is a good place to start with. And so I'm going to tell you what that first place of worship is. So if you have your Bible, go with me, with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Going to read a lot of scripture today, and so if you have your your iPhone out, you want to pull it up to you version, follow along with me. It says this, it'll be on the screen. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to a far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, and in many translations it capitalizes that word angel, God himself appeared to him in the flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that the bush, I want you to underline that word saw. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over there and I will what? See, see, underline that word. I will see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now I want you to notice verse number four. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to what? Look. So when Moses saw and God saw that Moses had saw, guess what happened? It says God called out to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. God spoke to him. Moses, Moses, here am I. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for this place you are standing 
is holy ground. So I want to give you what this place is, and it's the first place that I believe that God is inviting us into, and it's a place of seeing. It's a place of seeing. You know, I just believe something incredible happens in worship when we begin to see God for who he is. God longs for us to see him. You know, how many parents do we have out in the audience today? Come on, just real quick, show of hands, every campus, how many parents? Awesome, okay. Here's what I'm learning as a parent, right? I have a 15-month-old, his name is Samuel, and he is crazy. I mean crazy. All day long, he stands at the pantry door yelling for snacks, and when he doesn't go it, he goes berserk, right? He has a mind of his own. I mean, he is learning and growing, and he is doing his own thing, and we can hardly contain him in the four walls of our house. And as a parent, I'm trying to be a good parent and, like, teach my child and, you know, help him grow up in a way that, that he'll be a mature, responsible adult. And right now, at this point, I feel like I'm losing, right? Because he just kind of does his own thing. And so I'm learning a really important parenting hack, okay? And some of you guys should have told me this. So I wouldn't have had to learn on my own. But here it is, and you guys are going to know this. When you have something really important to tell to a child, what do you say? Hey, 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 hey. Hey, you over there. Hey. Look at me. I said, you heard, look, look, look at mama. Look at me. And then when they look at you, you might say, hey, stop doing that. Don't do that. You speak to them. But you're waiting to get their attention. You don't speak to them until you have their attention. And I wonder if sometimes God is waiting for our attention. If he's saying, I so long to speak with you. I so long to open up my voice to you, but I'm just waiting for you to look at me. I'm just waiting for you to see me, and when you see me, I will see you, and I will begin to speak. I think God loves it when we look towards him. You know, and it's, it's so hard, right? The world is full of distractions. We talked about in the beginning of this series how there's so many things that are vying for our attention that can keep us from hearing the voice of God. Netflix and jobs and email notifications and all of these things. And maybe the key to, to hearing the voice of God is not just kind of pushing out that clutter, which we need to do, but maybe, maybe hearing the voice of God starts with seeing God, that as we see God, we begin to hear God. And so maybe God is, is asking us today in this place of worship to, to focus on him, to remove those distractions. We can get so easily distracted by our hobbies and our job and our families and all of this. And God is so desperately wanting to speak to us, but he's just waiting for you to look to him. You know, it was Isaiah in chapter 6, or, or Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, that, that he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it's when he saw the Lord that, that the Lord spoke. And he says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. But it started the conversation, the calling, and it initiated with Isaiah walking in and saying, in the year the king Uzziah died, I just saw the Lord. See, when you begin to see the Lord, guess what happens? Your perspective changes. Your problems get a little bit smaller. Fear suddenly becomes faith, and problems suddenly become nothing, you know, that's too hard from God. Everything changes, and God just, he longs for you to see him. I love it, my little boy. We watch, watch TV every night before he goes to bed. I have seen Cars 1 and 2 a thousand times in the last 15 months. 
incredible movie. Cars 1 is the best, but it's another sermon. Never thought I would say that out loud. But I love it because God longs for us to get to this place of seeing. I love it when my little boy looks up at me. In the midst of the distraction, we're laying on the couch, and he's so tuned into the TV, but there are moments where he just looks up at me. And it's like he catches my eyes, and I catch his, and my heart just melts. I love those moments because they're so sacred. In the midst of all the distractions around him that are vying for his attention, he looks at me and catches a glimpse. It's in those moments where I look at him and I say, I love you. I love you, Samuel. Daddy loves you. I just wonder if God is calling us to a place in worship of seeing him where he wants to lock eyes with you and say, I love you. I love you. And so the first place that I believe that God calls us into to see him and hear his voice is a place of seeing. The second place that I believe that God calls us into is found in Exodus chapter 25, if you'll go with me. And it says this, starting with verse number one. It says, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. I want you to highlight that word offering. You to receive an offering for me and from everyone's hearts who are prompted to give. Skipping down to verse number eight, and it says, With this offering, then have them make a sanctuary for me where I will dwell among them. Verse number 22, he says this, And in that I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat between the two cherubims that are on the ark of the testimony, I will not only meet with you, but I will speak with you. I love this. God didn't just say I want to speak to you. Difference between speaking to someone and with someone, right? He said, I will speak with you. And he said, and I will tell you all about, or I will give you every commandment for the people of Israel. The second place of worship that I believe that God is inviting us into is a place of sacrifice. And it's, a, it's another level of worship that when you get into this place, you begin to hear God's voice a little louder and a little clearer because this place takes us into his presence so quick. This place of sacrifice and worship on the outset, really don't seem to go hand in hand. When you think about sacrifice and the word worship, they seem to be polar opposites. But all throughout Scripture, you see worship and sacrifice used synonymously in really the same context. In fact, there's a story in Genesis chapter 22 where God has called Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice and so um, you can read the story. I don't have time to tell it all. But he calls him to offer his son as a sacrifice. And so they head up to Mount Moriah. And they're, they're with some other men. And there's a donkey. And they're, they're, they're heading up to there. And they all stop right at the edge of Mount Moriah. And, and, and Abraham looks at the people traveling with him. And he says, hey, you stay here. Me and the boy are going up to worship. To worship. I think that's so interesting because God said to offer him a sacrifice and Moses called it worship. And so we see worship and sacrifice really being one and the same so many times in Scripture. I think that's why Paul would pin the words in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. He would say this, and it's on the screen. He says to offer your body. Brothers and sisters, offer your body as a what? As a living sacrifice. He says, he goes on to say this, which is holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper what? Worship. And so worship and sacrifice, Old and New Testament, they go hand in hand. And Paul says to offer your whole body. 
See, in the Old Testaments where they would offer, you know, blood sacrifices and animals and all this stuff, Jesus would step in and he would pay the price. He would be the final blood sacrifice. And now Paul would say, I want you to now just because of that and in light of that, I think you should offer your whole body to him because he gave his all. And so I believe he's asking us for our all. And Paul would say, offer your whole self to him as a living sacrifice. And it's when we do that, I promise you, you experience God's presence in a whole new way. And it is in his presence that he speaks the loudest and the clearest. And so here's the question that I have for you today. And the question is this, what areas are you holding back? What areas are you not all in? What areas, you know the song, the hokey pokey, we put our right hand in, we take our right hand, we shake it all about, and then your left and your right and all this. And at the end, it says you put your whole body in. And then sometimes we take our whole body out. What if we could, we could, we could stop that schizophrenic song? <laughs> and we can say, God, I put my whole body in and I stay there. I'm all in. I give you my time. I give you my talents. I give you my resources. I give you all of me. I offer my whole body a living sacrifice to you. And I see that as worship. And so when that begins to happen, guess what? You walk into your job and you see your work as worship. You see, you see serving when you, when you throw on a dream team or shirt as worship. You show up to paint the town red and you see, you know, getting your hands dirty as worship. Every time you, you put a dollar, or, you know, hopefully a little bit more than that in the offering, you see it as worship. We got bills to pay and vision that God has for us. You know what I'm saying? And so... Vision moves at the speed of your generosity, and when you start to see it that way, you begin to give as an act of worship. And God wants you to see that. And so what area have you been holding back on that God's saying, hey, will you just present that to me as an act of worship? And so maybe for some of you, your act of worship, the place of sacrifice that God is calling you into is a place of giving. Maybe you've been just holding that back, or maybe it's a place of serving. God has been calling you to join a team, and, and, and you've just been kind of holding back. But God's calling you to a place of sacrifice so you can encounter him in new ways, so you can hear his voice louder and clearer. Maybe God's calling you to a place of maybe, maybe joining a small group. You've been, you've been keeping your heart hidden from people. And God's calling you to a new place where you open up your heart. You share your life with others and it's a new place of worship that takes place and you experience the presence of God in a whole new way. And so God not only calls us to a place of seeing him, a place that when you see him, he speaks to you, but he calls us beyond that. Maybe you're already at a place where you see God clearly. He calls us beyond that to a place of sacrifice, a place where he meets with us and speaks with us just as he did Moses. And so the question is, what place of sacrifice is God calling you to today so you can begin to hear the voice of God louder and clearer because it is an act of worship when you offer your whole bodies a living sacrifice. The third and final place of worship is this, and I love this. It may be one of my favorite places or one of my favorite places of worship that I feel like God is inviting us into today, and it's found in Exodus chapter 33. Verse number seven, and it says this. It says, now Moses used to take a tent. The NLT says, now Moses had a practice of setting up a, tent, a practice. Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Everyone say the tent of meeting. 
And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go into the tent a meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. You have no idea who's watching you. Who's waiting to to see how you worship. And it says that, that when Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud, the presence of God would fall down. It says it would stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped at each of the entrance of their tent. And then verse number 11, I love this. I think it's so powerful. It says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. See, in the place of seeing, God spoke to Moses. The place of sacrifice, God spoke with Moses. The place of meeting, God spoke face to face. Face to face as one speaks to a friend. I believe that's the place of worship today that God desires all of us to get to. A place of of meeting with him consistently. It says that Moses had a place of meeting. That's the third place today, a place of meeting. I wonder how many of us have a place that we consistently meet with God. I wonder how many of us have carved out time in our schedule where we consistently meet with God and encounter him, encounter his presence. He's waiting to speak to us. But he's just saying, I need, I need you to slow down. I need your time. And if you'll, if you'll walk into a place of meeting, I will speak to you. So maybe the question is today is, when and maybe even where is it in your schedule every day that you have a place of meeting? Because I believe it's in this place of meeting you encounter God in one of the most powerful ways. A place of friendship place of being face to face with God. Not only that, but it's also a place where your worship becomes your witness. As Moses would would go towards the tent, everyone would watch. As he stepped into the tent, the presence of God for his tent meeting conversation. Moses held the first tent meetings, I guess. As he stepped into that tent, power of God, the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, the made known presence would stand at the entrance or hover over the entrance of that tent and all those would go to the edge of the tent and they too would begin to worship. See, your place of encounter and your place of meeting with God can affect other people. It can inspire other people to to worship as well. And so God longs for you to get to that place because it's, it's what he's called us to do, to be a light in a dark world. And it's in your place of meeting with God consistently that you become a light to all those around you and you call them to a higher place of seeing God. And I love this, this tent of meeting. And I love that God invites us today into that place of meeting with him. You know, one day, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a lot, of, a lot of questions. In fact, I'm going to have a lot of people that I think I want to meet with. 
I mean, we'll be there for eternity. I got to have something to do. And so I think in those moments, I think in those moments, I'll have a lot of questions and I'll have a lot of people that, that I'll have conversations. And I, and I hope that one of those peoples I can, I can kind of get on his schedule is Moses. I hope I could sit down and talk with Moses because I got some questions for him. I think I'd ask Moses, hey, Moses, what was it like that first time you encountered God in the burning bush? Did it freak you out? <laughs> hey, what was it like growing up in Pharaoh's house, knowing you were a Hebrew, but God putting you in this, this Egyptian home? And then what was the, the whole plagues thing like? That was crazy, wasn't it? Like all the, the flies and frogs and like blood. I mean, it was just, it's like a horror movie, huh? I'd probably ask him, hey, what was it like? What did it feel like that day when you took up that offering and everyone began to give as their heart prompted them? Was it amazing to see everyone respond to what God was doing? Hey, can you give me some leadership tips on that? I'd love to take up an offering that way. And somewhere along the conversation, I would probably ask him, hey, uh, Hey, Moses, I have one question for you, final question. Can you tell me what it was like in the tent of the meeting? The place of meeting that you went to in worship where you saw God face to face. He spoke to you as a friend. And I imagine Moses would look at me with a look of almost confusion. Really as... As he pondered my question, I, I feel like he would be waiting on the edge of his seat to ask me a question. But I think he would honor my time and probably say, you know, well, Sean, it was a special place. It was a special place. But you know, I couldn't, as much as I wished I could, I couldn't stay in that tent forever. As much as I longed to spend hours upon hours with the Lord, there was work to be done. God was using me to lead a whole, whole nation of people. So there'd be times that I had to turn inside to the camp and I'd have to step out of that tent of the meeting. And Actually, my assistant, Joshua, I was so jealous of him because I'm sure you read it, but but it says that Joshua got to remain in the tent. Who knows, maybe that's why Joshua allowed him to, or God allowed Joshua to enter the promised land. Wonder what God told Joshua. Hey, but, but you gotta get this. That tent, it was a lot of work. Like, we were the first portable church. We had to set it up and tear it down. Set it up and tear it down. And set it up and tear it down. It was, it was crazy. Sometimes there would be days that I have to, have to wait before I could get back in that, into that tent, into God's presence, into that dwelling place. In fact, we, we had to keep our eyes open because God, when he moved, we had to move. And so God sometimes... We'd get in a little bit of a hurry. Sometimes God would take a little longer. And so there were, there were times I got to spend a little more time than others. 
we'd follow this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And when it moved, we moved. But yeah, the tent was amazing. The tent of the meeting became the holies of holies. God would give us this instruction for the tabernacle. Oh, that was a special place. The high priest would get to go in there and meet with the very presence of God. And that tabernacle, it actually meant dwelling. It was the place where God dwelt. But you know, I've been longing to ask you a question, Sean. Like this whole time you've been asking me questions and really when you started asking me about the tent, man, my heart started bursting to ask you a question because, because I was up here like championing you on and watching this whole thing unfold and I saw Jesus go to a cross and then, then I saw this encounter where he said that he was leaving but, but he was going to send something that was far better than him being face to face. He's going to send his Holy Spirit. And then, then I watched as Paul wrote the words in 1 Corinthians. Where he said, do you not know that you are now the temple? And that you are the place where God dwells? And so, so I have a question for you, Sean. I have a question for you. What was it like for God to be inside of you? For you to not just get to meet him in a place. But for you to be the place for you to be the place where God dwelled, for you to be the tent of meeting. What was it like that, that every second of the day, every place your feet went, that where, where you went, he went. What was it like to speak with God every second? What was it like to speak with God anytime you had a question? Can you help? Can you help me see that? And I wonder sometimes if we understand the power that we have in our worship to not only see God and not only enter a place of sacrifice, but to enter a place of meeting where in every moment, in every question of doubt, and in every, and in every situation where you long to hear the voice of God, God is saying, I'm here. And as Job said, for God does speak. We may not perceive it, but my prayer today is that you walk out of here perceiving it. Knowing that on your job and around your dinner table and in your car that God does speak. He's longing to speak to you. And so here's the question today. What place of worship is God calling you to? Maybe it's a place of getting some distractions out of the way so you can just see them. Maybe your next place of worship is a place of sacrifice. And then for all of us, may our place of worship be a place of meeting consistently with God, knowing that he is on the inside of us, so desperate to speak to us. If we'll only listen to his voice, He'll speak as a friend. And you'll be walking down the road. And you'll be walking into your job. And you'll hear that voice and you'll know instantly. That's the voice of a friend. It'll be the most amazing thing. 
And so when you walk into those places of worship, you will encounter the presence of God. And in his presence, he will speak loud and clear. Can I pray with you? Father, thank you so much that you're a God that longs to speak with us and that you do speak. And so today, may we enter a place of seeing you. May we step into a place of of giving you our everything, offering ourselves a living sacrifice. And then may all of us find ourselves consistently in a place of meaning with you, knowing that you are you are at the close sound of the mention of your name. And the minute we say, Jesus, you're here, ready to speak, ready to talk. In your name we pray. Amen.